Hi, and welcome to Don't Know Beach About History, short histories of Long Beach, brought to you by the Long Beach Public Library. I'm Jeff Whalen, local history librarian here at the Long Beach Public Library, and today we'll be talking about the legendary Sultan of Swat, Babe Ruth, who came to Long Beach at the height of his fame in 1927 to perform in a vaudeville show and ended up getting arrested by Long Beach police for violating child labor laws. There's so much to Babe Ruth and his visit to Long Beach that this will be a two-part episode. And joining me today is Christy Bailey, coordinator of the studio, the makerspace here at the library. Hi, Christy. Hey, what's up, Jeff? How's it going? Hey, it's not too bad. Right on. What's up? Well, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the King of Swing, the Wizard of Whack, the big bambino himself, Babe Ruth. Love to see it. Christy, what do you think of when you hear the name Babe Ruth? Baseball is really just like way too obvious of an answer, but baseball, man. I'm going to do what I can to avoid talking (laughs) about baseball too much in this episode, or I'm going to try to anyway, because Babe Ruth coming to Long Beach, doing some vaudeville shows, getting really drunk, shooting some ducks, and yes, getting arrested, it's not really a baseball story per se. Christy, have you heard of the story before? Babe Ruth getting arrested in Long Beach? No, I've talked to you about recording this podcast, so I have some idea of what this podcast is going to be about, but I'm really curious to learn more. Yeah, I was really curious to learn more, too. I also hadn't heard of the story, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Why did he get arrested? What was Babe Ruth doing in Long Beach? What happened? Now, I gotta say in the interest of transparency that I used to be a pretty big baseball fan. Sure. Dodger baseball. Yeah, you better believe it. But ultimately, I just couldn't take the pain. It's been a long time since Kirk Gibson's famous home run. Oh, yeah. So I shall endeavor not to bring baseball into this too much. But Babe Ruth, who was this guy? This mauling menace, this behemoth of bust? Well, maybe nobody knows. He seems almost unreal to me, you know? To me, he seems like somebody took a meatball and made like a meatball man out of it with toothpicks. And then somehow it magically came to life and he ran out the door and then hit 714 home runs and was one of the greatest athletes of all time. He doesn't look like any other athlete I've ever seen in my whole life. You see him in that old footage running around the bases and you say, how can this guy be one of the greatest athletes of all time? But he is. I love it. He really is. And his face, nobody looks like him, right? No. Who looks like Babe Ruth? Um, a meatball with toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> He's almost unreal, like an American tall tale on yeah. some level, like Paul Bunyan or Pecos Bill, you know? where you can't even believe some of the things that he's supposed to have done. They don't seem real. (laughs) Definitely a mythological figure. Certainly all the home runs and all that, but what do you do about the fact that he didn't even start out as a hitter? He started out as a pitcher. He started his career as a starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox for his first four years as a pro. I mean, I know I just said I didn't want to talk about baseball, but check out his numbers as a pitcher. In his professional Major League Baseball career as a pitcher, not as a belly itcher, that was later, Babe Ruth went 94-46 and 46 with a career 2.28 ERA and was 3-0 in the World Series. And that was in just four years. If he had continued his career as a pitcher, he likely would have made it to the Hall of Fame as a pitcher. Ooh, that sounds legit. It is! <laughs> But then what do you do with him then switching to hitting and then hitting more home runs than anybody else by like a lot? By like a lot, a lot. That's what they say. And you just have to accept it. You have to just sit there and accept it. Babe Ruth. Oh, for sure. 
So that's all fine, I guess, these unbelievable baseball things, but what do you do about the non-baseball facts about the Babe? It's like when they say Babe Ruth would routinely romance, let's say, Perfect. something like six different women on any given night, or that he would keep a cabbage leaf under his hat during games, what? or they had a bootlegger in every town, or that he liked to stuff lit cigarettes down people's pants, or that he was actually really just a sweet child man whose greatest pleasure in life was making kids happy. Legitimate reporting suggests that all those things are true, but are they? Jumpin' Joe Dugan, Yankees' third baseman back in the 20s during some of the Babe's best years, had this to say in an interview published in 1974. And this is a pretty long quote, so get comfortable. Pack a lunch. Okay. Oh, and I don't know what Jumpin' Joe Dugan sounded like, so this speaking style may or may not be accurate. Okay. Here we go. So you want to know about Babe Ruth, huh? Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. He was like a big baby, a lovable devil grin on his face all the time. He was an animal, a great animal. Fell from a tree, didn't look like anybody else. He had a nose, smoked cigars, chewed snuff, snorted it right through his nose. He'd chew anything, Jesus. Whitey Witt and I, we shared the room next to the babe for a few seasons on the road back in the 20s. That's when a shave and a haircut was a quarter. It was prohibition then. They said you couldn't do it, so we did it. Ruth had a bootlegger in every town. He'd say, Babe here, send up a case of scotch, a case of rye, and fill up the bathtub with beer. Standing order. And Whitey and I would help him drink it all. But geez, that was dangerous. Tough. He was an animal. He fell out of a tree. He was never born. Oh, it was really something on the road. The things I saw him do on and off the field. Unbelievable. He'd be out all night, and next morning his eyes be as clear as a baby's. Never had a hangover. Babe was a broads man, met lots of girls in his life, beautiful and unbeautiful. Hell, he was no Clark Gable, no Rhodes Scholar either. But with that kind of money, they came right to the hotel. The babe had a phonograph in his room all the time. Silk bathrobe on, in come the broads. Great dancer, he was one in a million. Al Capone? I met him too. He invited Ruth to this big nightclub in Cicero, Illinois, and I tagged along. Never saw anything like that in my life. All kind of booze, beer, broads. He went for those broads. Babe Ruth was number one in America, bigger than the president. There was never anyone like him, nobody close. He was more than an animal. He was a god. Okay, so Jumpin' Joe. Sounds like a good time. So I'm inclined to agree with all that, (laughs) to think all that's true, right? This guy was there with the babe for years, right? He should know. But something about Babe Ruth, I'm always so skeptical when it comes to him, you know? It's like it, there's always something that seems unreal about it. There, There's just so much to explore. With anybody else, I'd say clear myth-making like that is definitely not true. And yet, with Babe Ruth, the Colossus of Clout, I can't just say that it's not true. There's part of me that says when it comes to Babe Ruth, maybe it's all true, Christy. Wow. That's a lot to get in my brain. Maybe it is all true. Okay. So... So a few months ago, when I first heard that the Big Bam had been arrested in downtown Long Beach in 1927, I expected speakeasies and showgirls, booze, 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 with probably some sort of pork chop-related element to the arrest, maybe a little cabbage under the hat, maybe some cigarettes down people's pants, this sort of thing. But then I heard he was arrested for violating child labor laws, and I was like, what? What happened? Why was he in Long Beach in the first place? Why were there kids laboring? What's the deal? So let's dive right into this thing. And Christy, though it is hard to figure out the truth about a tall tale like Babe Ruth, 
we shall try to divine the facts of his visit to Long Beach. Are you ready? Oh, heck yes. Let's do it! Okay, so at the end of the 1926 baseball season, super famous and loving it, Babe Ruth embarked on a 12-week, 14-city vaudeville tour. He was at the height of his fame. He was Babe Ruth, the Bambino, the Prince of Pounders, the beloved Yankee slugger, admired by young and old. And so he decided to take his big bam show on the road, vaudeville style. Christy, what's vaudeville? Vaudeville is like an old-timey theater, kind of cabaret-ish associations. Is that a good description? Uh-huh. Exactly. It was like a variety show. I'd say like a bunch of different acts presenting an evening or what have you of entertainment. Some singing, a little juggling, some dancing. Very nice. Some light dog tricks, a few jokes, maybe a ventriloquist <laughs> or two. Yeah, bring on the ventriloquists. This kind of thing. Usually there was a headliner, which in this case was the babe. And by the way, reports were that he'd be earning a cool $100,000 for the tour, which was more than any other vaudeville performer at the time. More than W.C. Fields, more than Abbott or Costello, and more than Abbott and Costello. And it was also more than he was getting for playing a season of baseball, though he was easily the highest paid baseball player of the era. His peak baseball salary was in 1930 when he got $80,000, which itself was more than twice what any other player got that year. Okay, so he's going on this 14-city vaudeville tour, largely of the West Coast, and the shows will be staged at Pantages Theaters, which was a national chain at the time. And there's actually a number of them still operating. I had thought there was only the one, the one in Hollywood, but there's not. Okay, so the babe did a tour of these venues, and wrapping up the tour, the last four stops were L.A. at the Pantages there, then down to San Diego, back up to Long Beach at the State Theater in Long Beach, which was not a Pantages, and then over for the big finish in Salt Lake City. And he performed for about a week in each of these cities. So he comes to Long Beach. He's been on this tour for like three months, and with the end in sight, Babe Ruth arrives in Long Beach early in the morning, Monday, January 17th, 1927. Now, everywhere the babe's been going on this tour, he's been getting a royal reception, not just at the shows, which are totally, completely sold out, but also just from the cities themselves and their prominent peoples, the mayors and the city councils and the businessmen and the masons and the benevolent orders of elks and so forth, trying to ingratiate themselves with the king of crash and bask in his babeness. And Long Beach is no exception. And Long Beach in 1927, by the way, as babe arrives, is blowing up. After the tremendous oil discovery in Signal Hill in 1921, the growing seaside city of Long Beach was booming, with the reported million dollars per month being spent in construction downtown. Epic and glorious edifices such as the Breakers Hotel and the Pacific Coast Club were opening to great fanfare, and the city was growing in stature and reputation, and everything was looking up. So, Babe arrives in Long Beach, and the first thing that happens is a ceremony in front of City Hall in which the mayor, Mayor Fillmore Condit, welcomes the titan of terror to Long Beach and presents him with the key to the city. Now, I don't know what usually happens when someone gets the key to the city, but my sense is that it's largely ceremonial. Uh, People don't usually try to use the key to, like, get out of parking tickets or whatever, but literally that's the first thing that Babe does. Well, he says the first thing he asks is if he has to do anything now that he has the key, and then also if he'll be paid anything. And then the next thing he asks is if he can park his car, his car, by the way, being a Studebaker Big Six Cabriolet, given to him for his use while in Long Beach by Glenn E. Thomas of Glenn E. Thomas Dodge, the Long Beach car dealership still in business now, but back then it was Glenn E. Thomas Studebaker. And back then, Glenn E. Thomas was also a person. 
He was a city councilman and was definitely one of those guys trying to get in good with the babe. And he hosted him on a number of excursions while the babe was in town, which we'll get into later. Okay, but back to the key to the city ceremony when Babe gets the key and quickly asks the mayor in front of everybody if he can park his car off the driveway of the brand new Breakers Hotel there on Ocean where he's staying and not get a ticket. And nobody knows. The mayor doesn't know. The city council doesn't know. So they get the police chief up there and ask him. And he quickly says that they'll put some special tags on the car so that the officers know not to ticket him. And then the Babe looks down at the key fondly, according to the newspaper, and he said, that's fine. Uh, Yes, that will be my Babe Ruth impression. And then later that day, also according to the newspaper, he parked in a no-parking zone in front of the police station and did not get a ticket. Okay, so also later that day, Babe Ruth, the superintendent of Slug, I made that one up, begins his week-long run at the State Theater, which was a vaudeville venue on the pike there on the corner of Ocean and Pine. And what was the show? Babe was the headliner of six acts, and they did three performances a day. There's jugglers, tightrope acts, and popular yodelers of the time. (laughs) In a movie called Pals in Paradise. Second build to the babe is a well-regarded singing and dancing celebration called Ripples of 1927. When it's babe's time to come on, they play a newsreel about how great he is, which he actually is. For about nine minutes, and then he, in his Yankee uniform and holding a bat, he bursts through the screen to the pumped-up delight of all. Most in the crowd apparently are adolescent boys and they're going nuts. So he bursts out, talks for a while about himself, growing up in an orphanage, about playing baseball, maybe does a song about baseball, and then he invites a handful of kids from the audience to come up on stage. And he jokes around with them a little bit, shows them how to hold a bat. He lets them introduce themselves, maybe tell a joke or sing or do a little dance if they'd like. They don't have to, but they can. And then he gives them an autographed baseball and a candy bar. Not a Baby Ruth candy bar but a Babe Ruth's home run candy bar, which we'll get into later. And that's the end of the Babe show. And that's the end of this show, Christy. Awesome. This is super fun. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Tune in next time to find out what happens on Babe Ruth Gets Arrested in Long Beach, part two. Spoiler alert, he gets arrested. Oh man, I can't wait. (laughs) Join us, won't you? I will. I'm hyped. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.